It is a joy to be at Heart of the Bay. This is one of my favorite, favorite places to come. And it's because of my buddy, Pastor Mark. He and I are dear friends. We uh, usually talk three or four times a week and uh, just absolutely love it. I just, you know, it's sad that they're not here, but aren't you glad, you know, is it not that they're dead, but they're in a better place, you know. Um, literally, they're in a better place. They're, they're enjoying a Mediterranean cruise, and um, I know they're going to see some really outstanding uh, sights while they're there, and just pray this is a real refreshing for them. And uh, the good news is, even though the bad news is that they're not here, the good news is that Pastor Brenda left me some cookies. So, you know I'm happy. And uh, I didn't eat them all yesterday. Ate, ate several yesterday, and I'll have some more today. So I'm spacing out the, the joy. Um, but, but I sure do love Pastor Mark and Brenda. They are great leaders. I've known them for, I think since about 1985 is when I really got to know them. And we've just been very close since that time. And you guys have some of the finest pastors and leaders anywhere. Don't you believe that? You really, really do. Good people. For those of you that are guests, um, I'm, uh, I'm a visiting speaker. I don't, I'm not on staff here. My wife and I have been in ministry for 35 years. Um, as Pastor Nancy said, uh, we were in pastoral ministry for 22 years and also uh, dean of a Bible school and a teacher in a Bible school for the last almost 13 years now, 12 and a half my wife and I have traveled full-time, and our assignment is to help churches, um, you know, to be strengthened and to help leaders in different parts of the world. We've had the privilege of ministering in 26 nations and 46 states, so we love traveling and, uh, and, and especially love being here at Heart of the Bay. Uh, I want to share with you this morning and tonight a message that deals with multidimensional ministry multi-dimensional ministry. Uh, God is a multifaceted God. Um, the Bible talks about the manifold grace of God, which means multi, uh, multifaceted or diversified. And, and God just has a lot of variety in His kingdom. And there's different levels of ministry. There's different styles of ministry. Uh, there are people who minister behind the pulpit. And then there's people who minister behind the scenes. But, you know, one of my very strong convictions that, is that every child of God has a function, has a purpose, has a role to play. Um, so many people look at church simply as a place to come and receive. And I want to say, amen, a church is a place we should come to receive. Uh, but church is not a place that we should only come to receive. We receive so that we have something to give. Uh, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Jesus said, fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So absolutely, uh, you know, all of us need God. All of us need His Word, need His Spirit. And uh, I can't think of a better place to come and partake than with the rest of the body of Christ, with others who share that same heart desire. And isn't it good that when we get together, God said, I'm there. I'm with you. And, and uh, we can have an individual relationship with God. I understand that. Uh, but nothing takes the place of fellowship. 
and gathering together for corporate worship, to sit under the Word together, and then to have relationships with each other where we can encourage one another and pray for one another, and even as the Bible says, bear one another's burdens. You know, that's what the church family is all about. But I want to talk to you about my journey in a sense of, and I went to the same Bible school that Pastor Mark and Brenda did, and so we have a common heritage, we have a common DNA, uh, spiritually speaking, and one of the great emphases at the Bible school we attended was on the ministry of the Word of God and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And uh, one verse, it's just a classic verse that uh, was taught to us in Bible school. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Have you ever heard this old phrase, if the only tool that you have in your toolkit is a hammer, it's amazing how much everything looks like a nail? <laughs> and I'm glad I thank God for hammers. But sometimes we need a screwdriver. Sometimes we need a pair of pliers. Uh, we need to understand that God has a whole lot of different tools for us. And we're going to look at some of the tools this morning. And this verse actually identifies three really powerful tools. In Matthew chapter 9, it's talking about the ministry of Jesus himself. And in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35... It says that Jesus went about all the cities and villages. So he covered a lot of territory, didn't he? He went about all the cities and villages. And as we heard this taught in Bible school, there were three primary things that Jesus did. Number one, teaching. Everybody say teaching. Teaching in their synagogues. Number two, preaching. Say preaching. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom. You know what the word gospel means? It means good news. How many of you know th there is not a whole lot of good news out there today? Uh, the world is saturated with negativity. The world is saturated with fear and anxiety and, you know, every kind of story of, you know, just, you know, horrible behavior and things of that nature. Jesus brought good news, and I want you to know Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and Jesus still has good news for us. And it's the good news of His kingdom. When Jesus is allowed to rule, when He is allowed to be the King of our lives, there is gospel, there is good news being under His rule, under His reign, under His authority. So Jesus did three primary things. Number one, he taught, he explained, he uh, instructed, but then he also made proclamation of, of the good news of the kingdom. And the third thing he did was healing. Everybody say healing. Yeah. Healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Now, as I mentioned just a minute ago, the Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13.8. So if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then wherever Jesus is and wherever His influence is allowed to be a part, we should still have teaching. You know, people should still be coming to the understanding of God and knowing God better and understanding how to uh, build our lives upon Him, etc. And there should always be proclamation. There should always be a joyous 
proclaiming of who Jesus is and what all that entails. And there should be healing. And uh, I, I believe with all of my heart that, that God heals today. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't really very interested in church or things like that until when I was 18 years old in 1977, a friend took me to a meeting that had a lot of unusual people in it just like you. And the reason I thought those people were unusual is because they weren't like the people in my background who just stood very stoically and rigidly, you know, that type of thing. But people were actually happy and celebrate. There was a joy in their life that I didn't associate with church. The only element of joy that I associated with my church was when they said, you're dismissed. Man, whoo, joy. We're out. We're done. Um, you know, we had done our time and getting early parole or something. Um, but, um, but I saw people with joy and they were, they, they were effusing uh, this, this love and appreciation for God. And it was in that atmosphere that night, uh, June the 9th, 1979, that, that a gentleman just laid hands on me very gently. And, and I sensed literally the power of God flowing through my body. And I'd had a back uh, condition for a couple of years. I played competitive tennis on through college and all. But um, uh, I'd had a back injury from tennis that just caused a lot of pain. And uh, had had that for two years. Been to three different types of doctors. They couldn't help it. And uh, instantaneously, by the power of God, my back was healed. And I thought, whoa, wait a minute. They didn't tell me about this where I've been. And I got real interested in a God who could do that. And um, I, I had received something, and I wanted all this. I wanted everybody to jump in on that because uh, I didn't know that could happen these days. So, long story short, I ended up at Bible school, and uh, at the mature, intelligent age of 20, um, I started attending Bible school, and full of zeal, full of idealism, uh, but I didn't have a lot of wisdom. But when I saw this verse, that Jesus went about teaching, preaching, and healing. And we had good Bible school instructors, and so they said, look, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus actually said in John 14, 12, if you believe on me, the works that I do will you do also, and greater works than these will you do, because I go to the Father. And so me and about a thousand other Bible school students just couldn't wait to go out and teach and preach and heal. And, um, and, and we were just so excited. And uh, part of this was, uh, you know, really just believing that verse. But then in, in addition to all my beliefs, I also still had some immaturity and some naivete. And so I thought... And a lot of people who are young and zealous and idealistic like me thought, well, I'm going to be the next famous preacher. I'm going to be the next Billy Graham. And I'm going to go single-handedly save the world. <laughs> and we thought we were going to be, you know, just like Jesus. We were going to teach, preach, and heal. And I had this idea. I had this idea that if people would just hear the word... If people would just let us pray for them and, you know, pray in a healing line that, that we would be like Jesus. We would go to every city and every village and teach and preach and heal. And here's where my immaturity came through. I thought 
that if we could just do that, and all these other graduates, you know, we knew they were going to all do the same thing, then we were going to single-handedly, each of us single-handedly, we're going to change the world with that one tool, preaching, teaching, healing. And I would call that, to summarize it, the ministry of the Word and the ministry of the Spirit. We are going to change everybody. And I kind of subconsciously thought that when Jesus went to a city, when He went to a village, and He covered a lot of territory, He went to every city and every village, and I thought that when Jesus got done preaching in a village and laying hands and healing people, that nobody in that village had any more problems. That just one sermon, one prayer line, and all of a sudden, everybody's marriages are happy. No, uh, People are all out from under all fears, all worries, all pressures. Anybody that was a little bit rough around the edges is now just very nice and polite and kind. And, and, and nobody has any more... I, I thought that just getting a little bit of word and a little bit of the Spirit would just permanently transform everybody. Now, I believe with all of my heart that the Word of God is, is life-changing and life-transforming. I believe that the Gospel is the power of God unto salvation. I believe that Jesus heals today. But what I didn't grasp was what the reality was not only in my day, but what was the reality in Jesus' day? What was reality? What happened when He went and taught and preached and healed? Did some people get blessed? Absolutely. Did some people get set free from, from sin and condemnation? Did some people get over some issues in their life? Absolutely. But see, I thought that teaching, preaching, and praying for folks in a healing line, I thought that was the only hammer that existed. Let's see what really happened after Jesus had gone about teaching, preaching, and healing. That's Matthew 9.35. Let's see how Matthew 9.36 reads. But when he saw the multitudes... He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary. Oh, wait a minute. Jesus has been to your town. You're not supposed to be weary. They were weary and they were scattered. They weren't all unified just because they'd heard a sermon. They didn't have their act together just because they had had a Bible lesson from Jesus. Were they blessed? Sure they were blessed. Were they helped? Sure they were helped if they listened and believed. But even when Jesus had been through all the cities and all the villages, when He looked around and saw all the people, He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Maybe people need more than a Bible lesson. Maybe people need more than an inspirational sermon. Maybe people need more than a healing line. Maybe they need a shepherd. I want you to read that verse with me in the Amplified Bible. The Amplified makes it very rich. When he saw the throngs, he was moved with pity and sympathy for them because they were bewildered, harassed, distressed, dejected, and helpless 
like sheep without a shepherd. Friend, that's the description of how they were after Jesus had ministered to them. Think what kind of shape they were in before he got there. It took Jesus ministering to people, teaching, preaching, and healing just to get them up to the level of being bewildered, harassed, distressed, dejected, and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, I'm not trying to paint some pity picture for Christians, but I'm just saying this. We need more than just a touch from heaven. What Jesus acknowledged was that even though they had been taught, they had been preached to, they had, many of them had received healing, they needed a shepherd. Now, do you realize you can have a TV broadcast, you can have an internet thing, you can have CDs, you can have books, and you can get teaching and preaching, you know, 24 hours a day. You understand that? And I'm not against any of that. I'm not negative about any of that. But we need more than teaching and preaching. And we need more than just an occasional prayer to be healed. Thank God for that. That God can use that to change people's lives. He used that to change my life. But Jesus said even after all the teaching, all the preaching, and all the healing, people still need a shepherd. Do you know what that Greek word is for shepherd? It's the exact same Greek word that we sometimes translate into English, pastor. And here's what I learned, because when I was a a young Bible school student, I had the privilege of, as I was a Bible school student, I also got to be an assistant pastor in a church. And because of my understanding, I had so much appreciation of Matthew 9.35 that Jesus went about teaching, preaching, and healing. But I didn't really understand that even after people had some teaching and preaching and maybe had been prayed for for healing, that they still needed a shepherd. So I had a great appreciation for the what I call the foundational level of ministry, which is teaching, preaching, and healing. And my prayer is, is that nobody thinks that I'm diminishing that or devaluing that in any way, shape, or form. All I'm saying is that is one dimension of ministry. That is the hammer. The preaching, teaching, and healing is foundational. But on top of that, Jesus himself said that people also need a shepherd. Now, what does a shepherd do? If you read John 10, you get a pretty good description. Jesus likened himself. He said, I am the great shepherd. And he said, the good shepherd continues with the flock. You understand, I'm a guest. I come here maybe once a year and that type of thing. And I'm not saying I don't love you or I don't care for you. I do, but I'm just a guest. I'm not a shepherd to you. I might be a teacher, but I'm not going to be here all year long. A, A shepherd is somebody who continues with the flock. Even when the wolf comes, the shepherd stays. Now, what you would most readily identify when I use the term shepherd or pastor, you think of pastors Mark and Brenda. And you know what? They're great pastors. They're great leaders. 
And pastors uh, feed the flock. They guide the flock. They nurture the flock. They protect the flock. Uh, there's a lot of pastoral functions that are done through the office. Everybody say the office, the office. of the pastor. So, thank God, Pastor Mark and Brenda, they understand the, the importance of the teaching, preaching, and healing. But they also understand that church has to be more than just a teaching center. Has to be more than just a revival center. Has to be more than just having a healing line or a healing class. There needs to be a shepherd type of ministry that cares for the flock. Can I be honest with you? My first few years of ministry, I was in love with teaching and preaching more than I was in love with the people I was teaching or preaching. You understand what I mean? I loved the idea of sermon preparation. I loved digging into the Word. I loved getting messages. But I really think for the first few years of ministry, I loved the process of me teaching more than I loved the people that I was giving the information to. And, and when I resigned from my first church as an assistant pastor, I'd simply been there for three and a half years as an assistant pastor. Um, I was wondering, what are all these people going to say to me? And I had put so much emphasis, especially on the teaching and preaching elements. And, and I had worked hard to develop the teaching gift and the preaching gift and um, had studied all kinds of different topics and I'd taught all different kinds of lessons and I'm wondering, what are people going to say to me when I resign? And in my young, immature uh, mind, I was thinking, people were going to come up to me and say, Oh, Brother Cook, that sermon you gave on XYZ topic, oh, I've, I, it's changed my life forever. Oh, Brother Cook, that, that Bible lesson you did. I was just thinking, all these people were going to come up and thank me for all these sermons and Bible lessons. And you know what? When I gave that farewell sermon, it would have been October 23rd, 1983, in case you're interested. That was a Sunday night. When I gave that sermon on that Sunday night, October of 83, not one person came up and thanked me for any sermon, any class, any Bible lesson that I gave. I was kind of hurt. <laughs> But you know what surprised me is here's what people came up and said thank you for. They said, Tony, thank you for that time when our daughter got rushed in for emergency surgery. And you came and you sat with us. And when we were concerned that she might not make it, you prayed with us. And you encouraged us and you gave us hope. And you encouraged us to trust God. Thank you for the time that you came up and sat with us during our daughter's surgery. Another person said, Tony, thank you for that time when, when my mother died and you came and met us at the hospital and, and you just stayed with us. And uh, the next day you went with us to the funeral home and you helped us with arrangements and helped us make the decisions we had to make. Thank you for helping us during that time when my mom passed away. Another person said, Tony, thank you for that time when... Um, I lost my job and I was afraid. I didn't know how I was going to take care of my family. And you called me into the church and, and wanted to meet with me because you'd heard I'd lost my job. And, 
and, and you had a bunch of groceries there waiting for us, and, and you gave us some information, some men in the church who were businessmen, and, and you helped us with connections so that I could get a job to take care of my family. Thank you for that. I'll tell you, that night was, was a transformative night in my life because I had always put so much value on the significance of the pulpit and, and the prayer that, you know, teaching, preaching, and healing. And you know what? I believe in the power of what happens in the pulpit. I believe in the power of teaching, preaching, and healing just as much as I ever have. It's not that I view it less. It's that I see that Jesus, as much as he valued the teaching, preaching, and healing, because he did a lot of that, but he also said, but even after that, People need a shepherd. People need that personal touch. People need that personal attention. People need that personal care. They need help with making personal application of that. People that are hurting, they just need encouragement. They need friendship. They need somebody to come alongside of them and walk with them during the difficult times. People need a shepherd. And he, that's why he saw the people distressed, dejected, helpless, all that, despair. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Now let me just tell you one thing I've learned over the years, and that is a person who stands in the office of the shepherd, the pastor of the church, can't do all that loving, caring, encouraging, burden-bearing by himself or herself. They weren't meant to. The person who stands in the office of the pastor is an overseer of the entire congregation. And, and according to Ephesians 4, the purpose of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher is to equip the saints so that the saints can do the work of the ministry. In other words, it's it's. It's appropriate, it is right, it is biblical that this church and that every church have a person who stands in the office of the pastor. But it's also biblical that many people within the church love and encourage others in a pastoral manner. In other words, you can, without being a pastor, capital P, you can love people pastorally every time you express the heart and the love of Jesus to them. The third thing that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but who? The laborers are few. Verse 38 says, Therefore, pray, pray, the Lord of the harvest, to send out, help me, laborers into his harvest. So let me just share with you the three dimensions that Jesus communicated about what multidimensional ministry is about. First level, foundational level, is what Jesus did, teaching, preaching, and healing. 
Say this out loud with me. Teaching, Teaching. preaching, Preaching. and healing healing. is foundational foundational. New Testament Testament. ministry. But even when Jesus had done that, and we know He did it better than anybody else has ever done it, even after He had taught, preached, and healed, as essential as that is, He recognized there's need for another level of ministry, another dimension of ministry, and that is the pastoral personal care where people are personally attended to, people are personally encouraged, people are personally discipled, uh, personally loved, uh, people know that they have support. You know, when, when you go through a crisis in your life, uh, you'll think about the importance of friends. You may not think about the importance of friends very much when everything's going great and everything's going fine. But wait till you run into a crisis. You'll thank God for your friends. You'll thank God for brothers and sisters that pray, for people that really care, for people that will walk with you through that situation. You'll you'll thank God. You'll thank God for the sermons you've heard. You'll thank God for the messages you've been taught. You'll thank God for the past experiences you've had with the Holy Spirit where He proved Himself to be real to you. All that is foundational. I understand that. But when you're walking through a crisis, you'll thank God for people who love you pastorally. Who are with you through those times. But you know what? Here's what happened in my, my particular situation. Uh, when I resigned from that position and all of a sudden I had this epiphany, wait a minute, it's not, uh, there's more than a hammer. Yeah. It's not just about sermons and what I do from the pulpit. What really impacts people is when they're loved and cared for, you know, personally and profoundly and meaningful ways to them. So what I began to do is I said, okay, well, I'm not just going to be a good teacher, but I'm going to really... Look to care for people in their needs and in their hard times and things like that. And I started doing that with the best of my ability. And you know what I found out? I found out the needs of people are too great for any one person to handle. Maybe that's why immediately after Jesus said, sheep without a shepherd, he said, the laborers are few. Maybe what we need is everything that Jesus communicated. Maybe we need that foundation of teaching, preaching, and healing. Maybe we need not just people who stand in the office of the pastor, but, but a bunch of people that just love pastorally yeah, come on. and in such a way that, that laborers are multiplied. As though maybe every person in the body of Christ realized, I've got a purpose, I've got a function, I've got an assignment. Uh, God not only wants me to receive from Him, God, God wants me to be a distributor of His. And maybe when we get the laborers multiplied all over the world, maybe that's when the church is going to really rise up and be all that God meant it to be. Not just because we've got great sermons and Bible lessons and healing lines, but because we have pastors and leaders who care and, and, and workers under them who care and love and then are multiplied laborers. It all works together. I was in a church recently and there was a young couple on the front row and, and I did multiple services there. 
Every service they were on the front row. And I noticed they were just like, like a sponge. They were so hungry and so... I mean, they, they were sitting on the edge of their seat. They, they were hanging on every word. And, and in the services, whenever we said, well, we're going to pray for people right now, which we didn't do that every service, but when we just say, you know, if you have a need in your life, you know, so, I mean, they just sprang up and, and they were the first one to stand there. And it was just like they were there saying, God, help us. And I asked the pastor about that couple. And he said, well, Tony, he said, that's such an interesting story. He said, um, and he, he shared, I don't want to go into detail about the background, but they were coming out of some really challenging issues in their life. And they were very, very new to the Christian faith. And their hunger was so refreshing to me as a minister. Because I know, especially when we've been in the church a long time, we feel like, you know, I've got it together. Oh, yeah, pastor just said open to that. I know that verse. I've heard him preach on that before. You know. And, um, and people are finicky. You remember Morris the cat? Look at the food, turn up his nose and walk away. This couple, there was no finicky. They, just, they were just hungry for everything, everything, everything. And um, the pastor told me, he said, yeah, he said, uh, we, we've been working with that couple. And he said, they, they come, they're coming out of a rough, rough background. And, and really no Christian foundation. And everything they're hearing is new to them and fresh to them. And, and he said, I've never seen a couple so hungry. But he, this is what the pastor said. He said, but it was interesting because when they first started coming to the church a couple months ago, uh, they have like three or four young children, and um, the mom was kind of reluctant to let the youngest child to go to the nursery. You understand that? I mean, you you got this young child, and you know, very young, and and you're not. Who are those people working in that class? You don't know those people, and you know you don't want to let your child go. And but there was a lady in the church who she worked off and on in the nursery. And her heart was just drawn to that couple. And uh, she would see her sit at the back, and the child was real, you know, wiggly and all that. So the mom's sitting there trying to listen, but the mom can't get anything out of church because the child's, you know, going all over the place. And so the lady showed an interest in this woman, just reached out to her and loved her, showed her a kind of a maternal kindness. And... Um, said, you know what, why don't you uh, let your child go into the nursery? And the mom said, well, I'm just hesitant to, you know, and she had her apprehensions and things like that. And this lady, the, the lady in the church, she wasn't a reverend. She didn't have a title. She didn't have a position. She just volunteered from time to time. She said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. She said, I'm going to personally take care of your child in the nursery. I will give one-on-one -on -one attention to your child so that you can focus on what's going on in church. I just feel like you need to really absorb everything. So the next Sunday, they met, and you know the mom and that lady met, gave her the child. She took that child into the nursery. And the child had never been separated from the mom. And they said that the child cried nonstop for 45 minutes. 
But the mom was able to sit in and focus on the service and, you know, draw from and, and receive more. The next Sunday, they met. This sweet lady took the child, and the child cried for 45 minutes. And I don't I get my details turned, but it was either the second or third Sunday, maybe the third Sunday, the child cried for like... But, but after a certain amount of time, that child quit crying and began to look around. There's kids having fun in here. <laughs> Pushed away and went down and played with those kids. I think it was the fourth Sunday that the kid cried for 15 minutes and then realized, you know... These kids are having fun in here. And, God, and I think after that, I think the next Sunday, the kid maybe cried for five minutes. And after that, the kid was just, get out of the way, I'm going into class, you know. But you know what? That mom is getting set free. That dad is getting set free. But it wasn't just because there was good word and good anointing. It's because somebody loved pastorally. Yeah. And there was somebody who was willing to be a laborer. Yeah. See, that's when the church really becomes the church. Thank God for great services, great preaching, great teaching, great healing, anointing, things like that. But you know what? Thank God when people just rise up with a pastor's heart doesn't mean they're a pastor by title. doesn't mean they're a pastor, you know, by, you know, nobody recognizes them as a pastor. But they just show the heart of Jesus to people. And they love people. And they're willing to work for God. In those passages of Scripture, we see three dimensions of ministry. Jesus went about teaching, preaching, and healing. But even after he, the greatest teacher of all time, even after he, the greatest preacher of all time, even after he, the great, uh, the, the, the great physician, had, had ministered in every city and village, he saw people and said, they need a shepherd. Now, he's the great shepherd, but aren't you glad that he's given shepherds like Pastors Mark and Brenda to represent him in the earth? To be his representatives. And even so, one pastor can't do it all. And so Jesus said, the labors are few. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will send forth multiplied laborers. You may not have one person who's the senior pastor, but you can have multiplied laborers in a congregation. I know that here in this place today, there's many people. You serve and you volunteer in many different capacities. And some of you do things formally, with a title, with a job description. And other people may do that, but they also look for opportunities just spontaneously to find a need, to encourage somebody. You don't do it as part of your job description. Just do it because you're a caring, loving person and you saw something that needed to be done. Just like you don't have to be the church janitor to see you see a piece of paper on the ground. You pick it up. You don't have to have a title to do that. You just do what needs to be done because it's there and you're willing and 
you know, Pastor Tom talked about being willing and obedient. And we're willing. We want God to show through us. Uh, we want to have a ministry that is multi-dimensional. Thank God for the teaching, preaching, and healing. Thank God for the pastor's heart. And thank God for the multiplication of laborers. Listen, we live in a day where people just feel like this planet is going down the tubes. Anybody know that? People are in despair. People are perplexed. But I'll tell you what. We have good news today. And, and we're not just called to preach the good news, but we're called to live the good news. We should be the most hopeful, joyful people on earth. Because we know the joyful sound. We know that Jesus saves. We know that Jesus heals. We know that Jesus delivers. We know that Jesus is coming again. So we have more hope, more confidence, more uh, positive expectation about life. And we who are recipients of the grace and mercy of God now get to go around as distributors of the same. Isn't that awesome? When you say, Jesus, I'll be a laborer for you, you're an answer to his prayer. Because his prayer was that there would be a multiplication of laborers in the earth. Now understand this. We don't work to get him to love us. He already loves us. That's why we work. We don't love to try to earn salvation from him. He's given us salvation as a free gift. Matter of fact, let's just go ahead and pray right now. Father... In the name of Jesus, thank you for your people. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy in our midst. And Lord, I'm so thankful for this church. I'm so thankful for pastors Mark and Brenda. We pray your richest of blessings upon them where they are right now. May this be a time of great joy and great refreshing for them. But Father, I want to pray for this congregation. I pray that this church would, would become the fullness of what you designed it to be. That it will be, and I believe it already is, but I believe it will grow even further as a multi-dimensional church. Lord, we do value the Word. We do value the Spirit. But we also value uh, the, the shepherd's heart, the personal care that is given people here. Just the fact that people love one another, encourage one another, bear one another's burdens, pray for one another. Lord, I pray that this will just simply be a community of pastoral love. And Father, in addition to that, we pray that there will be a multiplication of laborers. That people will not just be listeners. People will not just be observers. People will not just be spectators. But Father, people will roll up their sleeves. And this will be a church that, that gives generously. That serves fervently. That prays diligently. That, God, this will be a, a church of divine activity released through the labors of your people and through a multiplication of laborers.